Welcome to Zichu Chumash Simonim, I'm Rabbi Avram Goldai, and today we're Zechus Yuma, Daf Yudches, the first parak, Shivas Yamim. So the three topics we're going to focus on, number one, the next Mishnah teaches that the Kongad was provided with the elders all seven days he was sequestered, who read to him the order of the day from Parshas Achrimos, and they said to him, Ishi Kongadu, Krata Beficha, Shema Shechakta, Shema Lo Madata. My master Kongadu, read it with your own mouth, for maybe you've forgotten it or never learned it. The Gemara asks, how is it possible the Kohen Gadol is not familiar with the Avodah? For his time in the Brisa, the Pasuk states, And the Kohen who is exalted above his brothers. This teaches that the Kohen Gadol must be greater than his brothers in strength, beauty, wisdom, and wealth. So Yosef answered that the mission is referring to the period of Baishani, when the corrupt kings of the Nine began to sell the office of Kohen Gadol to the highest bidder, even if he wasn't familiar with the Avodah of Yom Kippur. Pointing to the Mishnah continues, Erev Yom Kippurim Shachris, Mamidin Osobishar Mizrach, on the morning of Erev Yom Kippur, they stand him at the eastern gate of the Azorah, Mavirim Lafanav Parim Be'elim Kvasim Kadeshiyam Makiv Raghaba Avoda, and they leave before him oxen, rams, and sheep so that you should recognize him and be familiar with the Yom Kippur service. The Gemara brings a bride that states that goats were also brought before the Kohen Gadot on the morning of Erev Yom Kippur, and asks why Artani didn't mention them. When the Gemara answers, Kaim Dalchet Kaasu Chalshadaite, since they come to atone for sin, the Kongado might become despondent upon seeing them. The Gemara follows up and notes that a Chata's bull should also not be brought, since it comes to atone for sin. To this, the Gemara responds that since it comes to atone for the Kongado and for all the Kohanim, if there is anyone among the Kohanim who is something that must be corrected, Midiyadele Mahadele Beteshuva, the Kongado is aware of it and gets him to do Teshuva. However, among all Yisrael, from whom the goats come to atone, he cannot know who committed a sin. Therefore, seeing them will make him despondent. And point number three, in context of discussing which foods were withheld for the Kohen Gadol Erev Yom Kippur to prevent a seminal omission, the Gemara mentions the measures that certain Amorim took to maintain their level of purity while traveling. Whenever Rav or Rav Nachman would visit a place, they would seek a woman who would be willing to marry them for the days they were there and then get divorced. When the Gemara asks how that is possible, given that there's a Bryce that teaches that one should not marry women in different countries lest their children unknowingly come to marry one another. The Gemara answers, Rabban and Kala Esau, the rabbis were famous, so the children would be well known when Rabbi asked how it was still possible, given that the women were required to observe seven clean days before the wedding. The Gemara answers that the rabbis would send a messenger in advance so that the woman could prepare. Another answer was that the rabbis would only live privately with them, but would not engage in marital relations. Because there's no comparison between one who has bread in his basket to one who has no bread in his basket. So once again, the three points are number one. The next Mishnah teaches that the Kongad was provided with the elders all seven days he was sequestered, who read to him the order of the day from Parshas Achrimos, and they said to him, Ishi My master Kongad, read it with your own mouth, for maybe you've forgotten it or never learned it. The Gemara asks, how is it possible the Kohen Gadol is not familiar with the Avodah? For his time in the Brisa, the Pasuk states, And the Kohen who is exalted above his brothers. This teaches that the Kohen Gadol must be greater than his brothers in strength, beauty, wisdom, and wealth. So Yosef answered that the mission is referring to the period of Baishani, when the corrupt kings of the Nine began to sell the office of Kohen Gadol to the highest bidder, even if he wasn't familiar with the Avodah of Yom Kippur. Pointing to the Mishnah continues, Erev Yom Kippurim Shachris, Mamidin Osobishar Mizrach. On the morning of Erev Yom Kippur, they stand him at the eastern gate of the Azorah. Mavirim Lafanav Parim Be'elim Kvasim Kadeshiyam Makiv Raghaba Avoda. And they leave before him oxen, rams, and sheep so that you should recognize him and be familiar with the Yom Kippur service. The Gemara brings a bride that states that goats were also brought before the Kohen Gadot on the morning of Erev Yom Kippur and asks why Artani didn't mention them. 
And the Gemara answers, Since they come to atone for sin, the Kongado might become despondent upon seeing them. The Gemara follows up and notes that a Chata's bull should also not be brought, since it comes to atone for sin. To this, the Gemara responds that since it comes to atone for the Kongado and for all the Kohanim, if there is anyone among the Kohanim who is something that must be corrected, the Kongado is aware of it and gets him to do Teshuvah. However, among all Yisrael, from whom the goats come to atone, he cannot know who committed a sin. Therefore, seeing them will make him despondent. And point of three, in context of discussing which foods were withheld from the Kohen Gadol Erev Yom Kippur to prevent a seminal omission, the Gemara mentions the measures that certain Amoraim took to maintain their level of purity while traveling. Whenever Rabbi Rav Nachman would visit a place, they would seek a woman who would be willing to marry them for the days they were there and then get divorced. And when the Gemara asks how that's possible, given that there's a price that teaches that one should not marry women in different countries, lest their children unknowingly come to marry one another, the Gemara answers, Rabbanan kala esluhu. The rabbis were famous, so the children would be well-known as her offspring. When Rabbi asked how it was still possible, given that the women were required to observe seven clean days before the wedding, the Gemara answers that the rabbis would send a messenger in advance so the woman could prepare. Another answer was that the rabbis would only live privately with them, but would not engage in marital relations. Because there's no comparison between one who has bread in his basket to one who has no bread in his basket. All right, so now we go to our sim for Dav Yudches, and our standard simon is a chuppah, because a ben Yudches or chuppah. An 18-year-old goes to chuppah. So here goes. The wealthy, illiterate Kohen Gadol standing under the chuppah, who covered his eyes whenever he saw a goat, didn't realize his kala only married him for the money and was planning to get divorced as soon as he left town. Once again, it's slow motion. The wealthy, illiterate Kohen Gadol standing under the chuppah. Chuppah? That must be more on Dav Yudches. The wealthy, illiterate Kohen Gadol standing under the chuppah, which reminds us. The next mission teaches that the Kohen Gadol was provided with the elders all seven days he was sequestered, who read to him the order of the day from Parshat Zacharim Mos, and they said to him, Ishi Kohen Gadol, Krat Shema My master Kohen Gadol, read with your own mouth, or maybe you've forgotten it, or never learned it. The Gemara asks, how is it possible the Kohen Gadol is not familiar with the Avodah? For it's taught in Brisa, the Pasuk says, V'ha-kon ha-gadol me'echav, and the Kohen who is exalted above his brothers. She-ha-gadol me'echav, b'koach b'noi b'chachma b'osher. This teaches the Kohen Gadol must be greater than his brothers in strength, beauty, wisdom, and wealth. Rabbi Yosef answered the mission is referring to the period of Baishani when the corrupt kings of the Chashmanaim began to sell the office of Kohen Gadol that is bitter, even if he wasn't familiar with the Avodah of Yom Kippur. So, the wealthy illiterate Kohen Gadol standing under the Chopah, who covered his eyes whenever he saw a goat. Which reminds us, the mission continues, on the morning of Erev Yom Kippur, they stood at the Kongado at the eastern gate of the Azor, and they led before him oxen, rams, and sheep, so they should recognize them and be familiar with the Yom Kippur service. The Gemara brings up rice that states, the goats were also brought before the Kongado on the morning of Erev Yom Kippur, and ask why Artana did not mention them. When the Gemara answers that since they come to atone for a sin, the Kongado might become despondent, Upon seeing them, the Gemara follows up and notes that Achatis bull should also not be brought since it comes to atone for sin. To this, the Gemara responds that since Achatis bull comes to atone for the Kongado and for all the Kohanim, if there's anyone among the Kohanim who has something that must be corrected, the Kongado is aware of it, and he gets them to do Teshuvah. However, among all Israel from whom the goats come to atone, he can't know who committed a sin, therefore seeing them will make him despondent. So the wealthy illiterate Kongado standing under the Chopah, who covered his eyes whenever he saw a goat, didn't realize his call only married him for the money and was planning to get divorced as soon as he left town. Which reminds us, 
Whenever Rabbi Rav Nachman would visit a place, they would seek a woman who would be willing to marry them for the days they were there and then get divorced. When the Gemara asks how that's possible, given that there's a brisa that teaches that one should not marry women in different countries, lest their children unknowingly come to marry one another, the Gemara answers, Rabban and Kala Esalu, the rabbis were famous, so the children would be well known as their offspring. When Rabbi asked how it was still possible, given that the women were required to observe seven clean days, before the wedding, the Gemara answers that the rabbis would send a messenger in advance so the woman could prepare. Another answer was that the rabbis would only go privately with them, but would not engage in marital relations. Because there's no comparison between one who's bread in his basket to one who has no bread in his basket. So once again, the wealthy little Kongado standing under the chuppah, who covered his eyes whenever he saw a goat, didn't realize his colony married him for the money, and was planning to get divorced as soon as he left town. All right, now it's time for four blah bad chazara. Daf Yadalit. So the similar Daf Yadalit is Yad, hand. So here goes. The Kohen, who took great pride in his skillful hands, hands, that must be on Daf Yadalit. The Kohen, who took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing huzzah, was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled a tower person making him tame. Which reminds the next mission taught that all seven days of the Kohen Gadol's sequestered, he does the avoda in order to make him proficient in the various aspects of the avoda which were typically not assigned to him. Rav Chissa says Rav Kiva cannot be the ton of the Mishnah, since he said, A tahor person upon whom fell a sprinkling of water containing the Paraduma ashes, thereby becomes Tameh. Since we know that Hazar is done in the Kohen Gadol all seven days, how would he be able to perform the avoda during this time? The Gemara explains Rav Kiva's reasoning. The Pasuk could have stated, The tower person shall sprinkle the purification waters upon him, and it would be obvious that the person is Tameh. Why did the Pasuk add the words Al-Hatameh upon the Tameh? We can infer from here, Al-Hatameh Tower, Ba'atawar Tameh. The tower person becomes Tower, and the tower person becomes Tameh. The Rabban say it's a Kavachomer. If the Tameh person becomes Tower, doesn't it follow the Tower person should remain Tower? So the Kona took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing Hazal was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled a tower person, making him Tameh, that he carried the Mechatas away for no reason, making himself Tameh. Which reminds the more questions how Rabbi Kiva would respond to the Rabban's Kavachomer, and answers that he'd respond that with respect to the Kavachomer, that Shlomo Melk stated, Amarti Echama Vihirochokamimeni. I said I'd become wise, but alas, it's still beyond me. We see that even though the Kavachomer dictates that the tower person should remain tower, Shlomo Melk himself acknowledged the phenomena that he, in fact, becomes Tameh. According to the Rabban, what Shlomo Melk found beyond comprehension was the fact that the one who sprinkles the waters and the one upon whom the waters are sprinkled are both Tahor, whereas the one who touches the waters for purposes other than sprinkling becomes Tameh. When the Rabban are challenged the fact that the Pasuk states that the Maza, the one who sprinkles Shalmers' garments, clearly indicating that he is Tameh, they answer that the word Maza is referring to the one who carries the water for reasons other than sprinkling. The reason that he's referred to as the Maza is to teach that he only becomes Tameh if he's carrying the minimum shear or Hazah. So the Kona took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing Hazah, was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled a tower person, making him Tameh, that he carried the Mechatas away for no reason, making himself Tameh, thereby losing his opportunity to burn the Katoras and prepare the menorah. Which reminds the Mishnah here that states that the Kohen Gala burned the Katoras and lit the lamps during his seven days of being sequestered, which implies that the Katoras was burned first, goes according to Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah, whereas the Mishnah Tamid, that teaches the Katoras is burned after the preparation of the lamps, reflects the opposing view of the Chachamim. Dav Tezvav, so the similar Dav Tezvav is a fruit bowl. So here goes. The Kohen who used a fruit bowl, fruit bowl, that must be one Dav Tezvav. The Kohen used a fruit bowl to administer dam of the Tamid on the Mizbeach, 
and threw the blood in the northeast corner and then placed blood on the western wall and then the southern wall like a chattis, which reminds Rabbi Shimon Ishamitz, but changes the procedure of the Tamanins and says that after the Kohen throws the blood on the northeast corner, instead of then throwing it on the southwest corner, he comes to the southwest corner, he places the blood on the western wall of the Mizbech, and then, after rounding the corner, he places the blood on the southern wall. The Gemara asks why Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah requires two distinct applications of the blood, unlike any other Ola. And Rabbi Yochanan answers in the name of one of the members of Rabbi Yana's Yeshiva that says in the Pasuk, in connection with the additional Kabbanas Bradnoish Kodesh, Usir Izim Echero Chatis Lashem and one he go for a chatis to Hashem, in addition to the Ola shall be made, and it's wine libation. Now the Tamid is an Ola, yet in this Pasuk, the Torah states that the Kohen shall perform the procedure of a chatis in connection with it. So how is this done? He performs one application, that's tantamount to two, by dashing the blood on the northeast corner, like an Ola, and then does separate applications on the southwest corner, like a chatis. So the Kohen used a fruit bowl to administer dam of the Tamid on the Mizbeach, threw the blood in the northeast corner, and then placed blood on the western wall, and then the southern wall, like a chattis, making sure to do them both on the lower half, which reminds the Gemara questions of Hashim Isha Mitzvah's interpretation of the Zerika Zadam procedure. For the time, let the Kohen place the first blood application, which is Achashihishtayim, one that is tantamount to two, below in the lower half of the Mizbech, Kamaisa Ola, in the manner prescribed for an Ola, and then place the next application, which is Shtayim Shen Shtayim, two that are in fact two, above on the upper part of the Mizbech, Kamaisa Chattis, in the manner prescribed for a Chattis. Why place the latter applications, which are supposed to resemble those of Achatas, on the lower half of the Mizbech, in a manner inconsistent with the procedure of Achatas? The Gemara answers, We don't find anywhere blood applications of which half are placed above and half are placed below. So the Kohen used a fruit bowl to administer dam of the Tamid on the Mizbech, through the blood on the northeast corner, and then place blood on the western wall, and then the southern wall, like Achatas, making sure to do them both on the lower half, and always turn to the right. Which reminds us, they want to ask why the Kohen applied the blood to the northeastern corner of the Mizbech and then the southwest instead of the reverse order. And answers that it is said, All the turns that you make in the performing of the Avodah should only be to the right and to the east. And so it happens that the Kohen would encounter that corner, the northeast corner, first. Dov Tezayin, so the simmer Dov Tezayin is toes. So here goes. The Kohen, who is jumping up on his tippy toes, tippy toes, that must be more Dov Tezayin. The Kohen was jumping up on his tippy toes between the four chambers in the Ezra's Nashim, which reminds us, Rav Huna said the anonymous Tanu Thomas Sechdes Midos is Rabbi Lezab and Yaakov, based on the following Mishnah Midos that details the Ezra's Nashim in the base of Migdash, and the four chambers that were located in the four corners of the southeastern chamber was the Lushkas Hanazirim, the northeastern chamber was the Lushkas Dira Eitzim, the northwestern chamber was the Lushkas Hamutzarayim, and regarding the southwestern chamber, Rabbi Lezab and Yaakov said, Shachachti Mahaisa I forgot what function it served. Avashul said they used it to place wine and oil and called it Lishka's base Shemanya. So Rashi explains that the Mishnah, quoting Rebbe Lezab and Yaakov in the end of the Mishnah, implies he was the anonymous Tana of the Mishnah. So the Kohen who was jumping up on his tippy toes between the four chambers in the Ezra's Nashim was trying to see over the low eastern wall and watch the Kohen burn the Paraduma aim a sprinkling toward the Heichel. Which reminds the more brings another proof that the anonymous Tana of Masech the Midos is Rebbe Lezab and Yaakov based on a Mishnah that states that all the walls that were there enclosing Harabayas and the structures were very tall except for the eastern wall, so that the Kohen who burned the Parduma could stand on Harazazim, which is east of the Harabayas, and aim and look towards the entrance of the Heichel at the time of sprinkling the blood of the Parduma. The, the Gemara deduces from a serious Mishnah that this must reflect the opinion of Rebbe Lezab and Yaakov, who holds that the four of the Heichel is twenty and a half almost higher than the Harabayas. Given that all the temple gates were twenty almost high, it would have been impossible for the Kohen burning the Para to see the Heichel through the eastern gate. 
This is the reason the eastern wall needed to be lower so that the Kohen could look over it and see the Heichel. According to the Chamim, who disagreed with Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov and held that the floor of the Heichel was 19 and a half almost higher than the Harabayas, there was no need to lower the eastern wall. So the Kohen who was jumping up on his tippy toes between the four chambers in the Ezra's Nashim was trying to see over the low eastern wall and watch the Kohen burning the Paraduma aim a sprinkling toward the Heichel. That was not blocked by the Mizbeach. Which reminds us, Ravada bar said that the anonymous Tana who states the eastern wall is lower is Rabbi Yehuda based on a brace where Rabbi Yehuda said that the Mizbech stood precisely in the middle of the Azara. Therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Mizbech obstructed the view of the Hekel for one looking to the eastern gate of Harabais, and this is the reason the eastern wall needed to be lower than the others. But the Gemara rejects this based on the fact that the anonymous Tana Amidos teaches that the majority of the 62 almost comprising the ramp and the Mizbech were in the southern half of the Azara. So we can conclude from here that Rabbi Lezman Yaakov is the anonymous Tana and not Rabbi Yehuda. Daf Zayin. So the symbol Daf Zayin is a used car. So here goes. After finally making a sale, the used car salesman, used car salesman, that must be Ron Daf Zayin. After finally making a sale, the used car salesman drove to the very long Chamber of Lambs restaurant, which reminds us that Gamon Daf Tezvav Amun Beis introduced a contradiction between a mission and Tammu which stated that the Lishka Satlaim, the Chamber of Lambs, where lambs that had been inspected and Bremishvi were restored, was in the northwest corner of the base of Moked, and a mission and Midos which stated that it was in the southwest corner. On this stop, Rav Adabrader of Yitzhak said that that chamber extended towards both corners on the western side of the base of Moked, but did not quite reach each corner. To one coming from the north, the chamber appeared to be mainly in the south of the hall, and to one coming from the south, it appeared to be mainly in the north. So after finally making a sale, the used car salesman drove to the very long Chamber of Lambs restaurant and parked on the southwest corner across from the Lachamapani Bakery, which reminds Ravada concludes that it's reasonable to say that the Lishka Satlan was mainly in the southwestern segment, based on how a contradiction was resolved between the two Mishnahis regarding the location of the Lishka where the Lachamapani was made, which was in the southeast corner of the base of Moket. Rapuna Breda of Yeshua said that the Mishnah Midos enumerates the chambers in the direction of left to right, whereas the Tana of the Mishnah Tamid enumerates the chambers in the direction of right to left. This answer only makes sense if the Lishka Zatlaim was mainly in the southwest. When the Gemara questions how Rapuna Breda of Yeshua could suggest that the Mishnah Tamid goes from right to left when we learn, that all the turns that you make should be to the right and to the east, and answers that this rule only applies with regard to Avoda, but here, it's merely an enumeration of the location of the chambers. So after finally making a sale, the used car salesman drove to the very long Chamber of Lambs restaurant and parked on the southwest corner across from the Lechem Bakery, where a Kohen Gadol walked out carrying five loaves. Which reminds us, the mission stated, The Kohen Gadol has the first right to offer any portion and to take any portion. So Bryce was brought here that states when it comes to taking loaves, he takes one loaf from the Shtei Lechem, and four or five loaves from the Lechem Apanim, Rebbe says he always takes five loaves, for it's written, Maisel Aaron Levanav, and it, referring to the Lechem Apanim, shall be to Aaron and to his sons. This implies, Mechsel Aaron, Mechsel Levanav, half to Aaron and half to his sons. So Abai understands that the first din is in accordance with the Rabban who maintain that the Kohen Gadol takes less than half. The reason they hold that he takes one of the two loaves of the Shtei Lechem is that the Rabban concede with regard to a broken bread that it's improper to give such a piece to the Kohen Gadol. All right, now it's time to conclude our pop quiz of 10 questions plus three bonus questions from previous Masechites. Number one, which stuff did the Ravada Breda Rav Yitzhak said? The Lishka's base of time was very long and extended to both corners of the western side of the base of Bumaked. That's on Duff. Yitzhak. Good. Number two, which stuff did the eastern wall of Harabais had to be lowered so the cone burning the Paraduma could see the Heichel as he aimed towards it? That's on Duff. Tazain. Good. Number three, 
Wish something on the Rav and Rav Nachman would marry women in places they traveled to and then divorce them. That's on Duff. Yudchas. Good number four. Wish something on that having a second Kohen Gadol on the wings will make the Kohen Gadol even more of a Zari. That's on Duff. Yud Gimel. Good number five. Which stuff do we learn that we never find blood applications where half the blood is placed above on the Mizbeach and half below? That's on Duff. Tezva. Good number six. Which stuff do we learn that Kohan Gadolim during Bayashani bought their positions and needed to be taught how to do the Avod of Yom Kippurim? That's on Duff. Yedches. Good number seven. Which stuff do we learn that says the reason the Rabbanon hold the Kohan Gadol gets one loaf of the Shtei is that it's not respectful to give him only a piece? That's on Duff. Yedzain. Good number eight. Which of the one the Rebuto holds, the Mizbech was in the middle of the Azara, whereas Rabbi Yazir ben Yaakov holds it was primarily in the southern part. That's on Duff. Tezain. Good number nine. Which of the one the Rabbi Ada holds, that the Lushka's line was primarily in the southwest corner of the base of Moked. That's on Duff. Yedzain. Good. Number ten. Which of the one that the Mishnah here in Yuma, which states that the Kohen Gadol was mocked to the Katoris and made to the Neros, goes according to Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah. That's on Duff. Your dog. Good. Now the three bonus questions. Number one. Which stuff do you learn that my machronim is a choba because of milk stomies? That's on Duff. Yedzai Nervin. Good. Number two. Which stuff do you learn that Thomas chus avos? That's on Duff. Nunhein Shabbos. Good. And number three. Which stuff do you learn that one of the activities on the 15th of Adar was marking the graves? That's on Duff. Gimon Shkolim. Excellent. That concludes the pop quiz. This is Rabbi Avram Golden Zichu. Wishing you a great day and great learning.